Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. I'm Alan Arnold. Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. Today's message is part two of a conversation that Craig McConnell and I have had about creativity and story. So, Craig, we've been talking a lot about how God loves story and how story is born out of our hearts. And I just want to pause and ask you to tell me a little bit about how God has used story in your life and how that's been a part of your journey. So share some of that with me. (laughs) I'm feeling set up for some reason. (laughs) I don't know if that's you or the Holy Spirit or what. Oh, gosh, yes. You know, I became a Christian when I was 21, and I spent from about ninth grade on in every free moment just hitchhiking around the country and then later after high school around the world and doing the whole uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll hippie search that was common in the day. And music played a huge role. I didn't just listen to music kind of in some stone nirvana fervor. I listened to the lyrics and the music captured me. And I think a whole lot of my becoming a Christian had to do with songs of the time that reflected people searching, Mm -hmm. that there is something true, real, there is God. And the music and the stories of the music I was listening to just stirred up a hunger and actually directed me to kind of crying out to God. So I, I see my becoming a Christian as um, the result of good storytellers, good song writers and musicians. And all my adult life, I've um, journaled, Alan. Gosh, I've got volumes of stuff. And I think some of my deepest, most enjoyable times with God have been when I'm writing. And it's usually in the form of kind of self-reflection, my own personal journey, and kind of trying to put words to the internal issues and things I see, things that thrill me or bother me about myself or life and my relationship or reaction to it. But it's funny you ask that, you turkey, uh, because it feels like I'm paralyzed writing now. I haven't written since since I went into chemo and I've just assumed that something's been lost in the course of cancer treatment that's killed that part of me. I don't know that that's true, but I feel dried up, withered. I sit down to write a blog or sit down to write now in my journal and Everything internally is there, the story, the humor. I see things from my own unique and odd perspective, and I can laugh and I can cry about the world unfolding before me. But for some reason, I cannot, I cannot put anything down on paper. And I love your input, your thoughts. I mean, I'm the guinea pig. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I know you well enough to know you're an amazing storyteller and a gifted writer. 
So I would say primarily it feels like not that you've lost that since chemo as much as it's been stolen. And again, you know, it's the enemy who I think has a special disdain, hatred for those who have the image of God and are creating things of life, stories of life and stories of hope and stories that are good. And Craig, you had asked, what are some different ways the enemy attacks? And and one is that isolation and aloneness. But there's other ways, too. And some of the other ways are authors can get so caught up in the process, like we all can in any industry, that you forget the original love that you had in calling and you get far more busy doing. And what that looks like in the life of a writer might be you get a three-book contract. Wonderful. Awesome. I've been wanting to have a publisher acknowledge what I do. Now I've got time for three books, which means I've got some type of revenue on that or advance. So now I can quit my day job and now I can actually focus on writing full time and it feels like paradise. But quickly that becomes a grind of a word count per day. Well, I need to write 5,000 words a day to meet my deadline And so what happens is they become locked into high stress, high productivity, and the measure of the day is if the word count happened. And the problem is word counts can happen with or without God, and if you're mostly focused on the word count, it's usually without him or there's a higher priority of the day. Mm -hmm. There's not time for God to call you over to to the slide on the playground or to this beautiful thing he wants to show you because... I need these hours or the word count's not going to happen. So that's another way I think the enemy can get in is a drivenness of productivity. The funny thing is, too, with creatives, both success and failure can be equally distracting and disruptive because if you're a writer or any creator and nobody wants to buy what you're creating, Mm -hmm. boy, that can take you know, dishearten you and take away a Mm. lot of your energy. But if you're a bestseller and then all of a sudden hooked on the adrenaline of and the praise of and the expectation of, well, my gosh, I just hit the bestseller list. Mm. I've got another book, though, that I'm writing now. And what if it doesn't? Mm. Or what if people don't like it? Or now I've got to top what I did and I've got X months to get it in, turned in, and I don't even have a story idea. or the idea for the next song or painting. So success and failure can both be used in a way that the enemy kind of throws that at you and tries to rob the sense of pleasure of creating into this is who I am and I'm either a failure because it didn't work or I'm either striving to make it happen, make lightning strike twice. Mm -hmm. So... Since I've started here, one of the things I know I've been really asking you to do is write more, write more. I want to read more of what you have to say. I love it when you speak, but I want to see what you create with words. And can I just say that, gosh, when you say that, and others have said that too, oh, there's something in me rises to, oh, that's what I want. But then there's this other part that just feels so ashamed. I can't. I can't. I can't. And it feels like you don't get it. I can't. I can't do that. Well, 
what I see a picture of is you saying, I can't, is God right there with you just saying, yeah, Craig, we can do it together. We can do it together. It's not you in your strength. It's not you in your brilliance. You know, like we talked about the boy with the Legos earlier. It's mm-hmm. it's the intimacy of doing it in this dance together, this creative fellowship together. And I think that oftentimes is the breakthrough because ultimately I don't think God needs anybody to write another blog, write another novel, do 50 more podcasts. I think his whole invitation in all of those things is I've given you the desire and the gifting to do this together. And for some, it's fishing. And for some, it's carpentry work. And for some, it's a surgeon who's skilled with his hands. But in all those things, the invitation is son, daughter, let's do it together. And yes, those things that are created and done have an impact on other people in a mighty way. But the main reason, the main desire, I think, of the creator is to experience this together. It's he gives you a passion for something and invites you into this stirring and longing state. And then he says, all right, let's do it. Like, yeah. And I think a lot of times people think, well, I've got this amazing talent and I just do this because I'm gifted. And it goes back to that orphan spirit. It's the whole reason God gave you that gift was primarily for intimacy. Secondarily, there's a lot of other uses for it and benefits of it, perhaps. But that's the part that I think there's so much freedom in that. Because when you sit down, there's not the pressure to create as much as it is, God, we're on a playground. Let's have fun. I want to run with you. Craig, you know, one of my favorite stories on this topic is I have an eight-year-old son and I have a really big truck. He always wants to ride with me. And he's recently been able to graduate from the back seat to the front passenger seat. But what he does is he, you know, hops in. And then I've got this console between us in the middle seat. And he just flips it up and scoots in. And it's leg, you know, on leg. He's uh-huh. touching, you know, we're that close where our arms and legs are touching. And he doesn't care where we go, what we do. He doesn't ask if I have enough gas in the tank to get us there, if I have any money in my pocket, if I know the directions or if I need satellite directions on my GPS to get us there. He's there for the ride. But it's all about being there and doing it together. And I think that, to me, is a perfect picture of the creative process. It's God's driving. And you're right there with him. And it's being versus doing. It's presence versus productivity. It's this experience together of what you go and do. And honestly, when I take my son somewhere, it doesn't really matter what we, you know, whether it's going out for lunch or whether it's going to toss a Frisbee or just to drive around. It's the togetherness that is the whole reason for the trip in his mind. And that's the creative process, I think, is, God, I'm expectant. Let's do this together, wherever he takes you. Okay, Alan. So everything in me saying, yay, amen, amen, amen. I'm just thinking, right, okay, so 
what do I do? What do I, where do I go with this? How do um, I go from hearing that and agreeing to tonight sitting down and having a time with God that I haven't had in a year and a half writing? Well, I'll start with if somebody's at that point where it's been, they feel like they're in a desert or Mm -hmm. things are dry. I think the first starting point is when you sit down, it's God remind me of why you gave me this gift, why you created this passion in me for this particular outlet, writing Mm -hmm. in your case, something Mm -hmm. else for somebody else, and ask him to take you back. That may be walking around the block. You may be wherever, indoors, but I think that it starts there is bring me back to that moment of passion when you stirred this in me and actually write that down. I was five. I was 10 listening to this album. I was Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And just kind of savor that and let God remind you of that, of when he touched you with that. And then from there, I think the question is, God, if I feel like I'm in a desert, I need some spiritual manna. Like I need you in this desert to now usher me into what you first stirred. And so it really is initially not a move towards striving. It's not, let me think of a great concept for a blog. Let me come up with a story that's never been told because there is no story that's never been told. It just is told in shades of differences. And there is no blog post that the world will stop, you know, orbiting if it's not written. So the pressure's off on that. It's really more of a, God, you know, I want to play on the playground with you. And you gave me this passion. And the first time you sit there and do that, there may be no words on the paper, you know, nothing productive. Mm -hmm. But then show up again the next day. Mm -hmm. And it takes a place, I think, of kind of solitude in that there's no distractions and sit down again. And I have seen time and again the difference that makes because if you're in a dried up place spiritually, disheartened place, stressful, striving place, here's the thing. The words that you write will not have life in them. The painting, the song, it will not really have life. It may have a veneer of life. It may say a few things right, but the goal is with that awakened heart, then the words on paper can bring life because they actually have life in them because you're living before you're writing and you're doing it with God. And that's a holy act. So that's the beginning, I think. And then it's jump in the truck with God. And God, where are you going to take us? Whoa, whoa, whoa. If I don't have life, then my words won't have life. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So it matters. The process matters. It's not getting it done. It's the invitation of fellowship in the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And Craig, that's why I guess, you know, when God gave me that stirring or passion, because by the way, I, I'm i primarily not a writer. I'm somebody who works with people who create. And my passion is for those people who create through story. And... Yeah, since he's given me that passion, now when I go to a writer's conference or write a blog or do anything toward those people, my heart is for them 
to experience life and have that life come into their creativity. And God continues to open doors. He created the passion. Hmm. And now I'm not striving to speak somewhere or to write somewhere, but I'm watching for his next move. And when God opens a door, and I'll get phone calls and emails now that say, Alan, we'd like you to speak. And we think the topic is supposed to be something about the heart. Hmm. And it's like, I just smile. Hmm. And it's like, God, <laughs> thank you. I love this adventure. <laughs> You've stirred this. And now I'm not having to find ways to make it happen. Yeah. You're just inviting me into this larger story. And so, yeah, that's where I spend a lot of free time. That's what makes me come alive. And I just encourage anybody who has that awakened heart or that stirring from hearing this, follow it, follow it. But it doesn't start with the story that you're trying to write. It starts with the story of your own life. So start there. Start there with God and watch what he does. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart podcast, and I invite you to go to ransomedheart.com where you'll find more content. And if you have not experienced this yet, let me encourage you to also get the Ransomed Heart app, where our podcasts, our prayers, and an immense amount of content are available at your fingertips. Next week in our Ransomed Heart podcast, we have Stacy Eldridge in the studio with two of her special friends, and the topic is the empty nest. Thank you for listening. <laughs>